Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. This morning, we're going to start a new series this morning uh, called No Turning Back. No Turning Back. And here's the thing. We're going to be doing a study in the book of Hebrews. We're going to be going through Hebrews. And the amazing thing about the book of Hebrews, if you've got to understand the audience which the writer of Hebrews was writing to. And there's many people, many theories that certain people were authors. There's no author listed in the book of Hebrews. Some assume it was Paul. Some think it was Luke. We don't know, but it's, it's the inspired word of God. Amen? And so here's the thing. In the book of Hebrews, here's what's going on. You've had, you had Jewish people who have accepted Jesus Christ by faith. They believe that he was the Son of God. They believe that everything about him as the Messiah, they were genuinely born again into the kingdom of God. But what happened is persecution possibly and, and pressure arose with some of the Jewish believers. They began to think, well, maybe we made a mistake. Has anybody, I asked this question to Pastor Matt on Thursday, have you ever made a decision and afterwards begin to rethink that decision and think, man, maybe I made a big mistake? And that's kind of what was happening with some of the Jewish believers here in the book of Hebrews. They were, they thought, well, they got saved by faith and all of a sudden, they were because of everything's happened. They'd be saying, maybe, maybe we made a mistake. Maybe we need to go back into Judaism. Maybe we need to go back under the old covenant and live there in different things. And so that's what was really going on at this point in time. And I posed this question on, on Thursday, uh, on Monday morning church, Thursday's edition. Can a person have a new covenant faith, but be stuck living an old covenant life? Now think about that for a moment. Can a person have a new covenant faith, but be stuck living in an old covenant life. How many know we, we are under a new covenant? We're not under the old covenant. And we, we relate to God by, based on a new covenant. And that's what we're going to talk about. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to help the Jewish believers to realize that Jesus is superior to everything. Jesus is all in all. There, He has no equal. And so this morning, that's kind of the, the, the sermon title this morning on this. He has no equal. And the writer of Hebrews starts off letting us know that right up front. So the first thing I want to talk about is the supremacy of Christ Jesus, of Jesus Christ. Supremacy means this. The state or condition of being superior to all others in authority, power, or status. That's only Jesus. That's Jesus. He is superior to everything. He has all power. He has all authority. He has a position. He is the only one. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to convey to them, that Jesus is is superior to the law. Jesus is superior to the old way of life. Jesus has a better way for you, and you don't have to live in an Old Testament life anymore. You are called to live under a new covenant with Christ in relationship with God. So look at the first chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Go there with me. It says, Long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to, other, to our ancestors through the prophets. Through the prophets. Now look at verse 2. And now in these days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance, through the son, though the son, he created the universe. The son created the universe. So look at this. First, first, God's word is found in the prophets. God's word is found in the, in the ancient times. That's how God communicated. Pastor Justin, I was talking about this the other day. Many of the prophets wrote 50, 60, 70 years apart from each other. 
They weren't even close to each other. But it was amazing how God spoke to the prophets at different times, and everything that they spoke about kind of dovetailed together. It, it's, it's, way, it's the way God planned it. I mean, it didn't, it, doesn't, it didn't contradict itself, but God put it together, and you can see that just woven together. But he spoke through the prophets. He didn't speak like he does for us today, but when he spoke through the prophets, they, that were, they were just normal people that God chose to speak through. They were Old Testament saints. So, so uh, th- this is the thing we, we need to understand, that he spoke through the prophets. So what does that mean? No man... No man could possibly receive and understand the whole reality of who God is. God spoke to the prophets at many times in many different ways and showed them many different things to how to speak on his behalf. So the word was found in prophets. Now here's something that's very significant that you need to remember here and think about this, that God spoke through the prophets, many prophets. But secondly, God's word, God, second, God's word, he, his full revelation is found in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The full revelation of God is found there. See, in these days, these last days, God spoke to us by his son. This is the most amazing truth. It is an amazing truth to church this morning that he spoke to us through his son. See, for God could, could send no greater messenger to the world than his, to his son. He sent his own son to declare the fullness of who God is. To declare who God was. Before Christ, no one could fully grasp and understand all of who God is, but through Jesus Christ, he's revealed the Father to us. See, man can't understand, but only the fragments and parts, but now through the day, we have Jesus who speaks into our lives and into our hearts. See, look at this. As you think about it, it says he radiates the glory of God. Look at, uh, we're talking about the glory of God. Look at Hebrews chapter, chapter 1, verse 3. Look at this, this statement. As we see, he speaks to there. It says, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God and he sustains everything by his mighty power power of his command when he had cleansed us from our sin he sat down at the at the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic of God in heaven think about the glory of God he's revealing the glory of God that's what Jesus does he shows us the glory and through Jesus Christ through faith in Christ we've been given access to the Father we don't have to stand outside the 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 uh, the, uh, the the holy of holies any longer we've been invited in because when Jesus died on the cross that curtain that separated the high priest from the holy place from the most holy place that it was ripped in two opening a new way for us to be able to come and know the Father and it's through his son Jesus Christ and this is the only way, but see, these Jewish believers were, uh, that had believed in Christ, now we're thinking maybe, maybe he's not quite the only thing. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to show them how much greater Jesus is. So he talks about Jesus revealing the glory of God. See, this means that Jesus himself radiates the glory of God before, before he was ever in the world. He was with God. How many know he was eternal? He existed. He was not created. Jesus was there in, before anything was created. Matter of fact, John 1 says that everything that was created was created through him. He was there in creation. See, he always existed. What does glory mean? I think, I, I love this, this definition. It means all the brightness of God, all the brilliance, the radiance, the splendor, and the light of God brings. It's, it's the fullness of God is revealed in Jesus Christ. It is revealed in Jesus Christ. It means that every, the ever-present, he is bright, he is the, the radiance of Jesus. See, man can look at Jesus and see the glory of God in him. The very light of God radiates 
to us through Jesus Christ. See, church, matter of fact, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 says this. Think about this. Talking about the glory of God. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. All the fullness of God. God wants so much to reveal himself to people that he he gave his son to die in our place. So all the fullness of God is expressed in him. Now think about this. In this scripture, it talks about, and and going back to Hebrews, it says in this, it says, the son son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. So when you think about that for a moment, the word expresses means a very stamp a mark, an impression, the very reproduction of God. Jesus Christ is the perfect imprint on the very image of who God is. It's everything. So that's what that word express means. And then also the word character, this means the, the substance. Jesus is the very substance and the very being, person, embodiment of God. So this, he, the writer of Hebrews is trying to help these people to understand about the glory of God, and now he's trying to help them to understand about the deity of God. How many, the word deity means supreme. That's what it means, supreme being. I mean, it's a, it's a heavenly being, it, and it's not a created being. Jesus was not created. Jesus was there in the beginning. We said that, but I want you to understand that. He is deity, and anytime you try to add anything to the finished work of Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross, you take away from the deity of Christ. You're saying he, he's not the supreme God who, we, who he claimed to be. When he was here on this earth, I want to tell you, he was human, but he was still God. He had a human body, but he was still God. He was still deity. Amen? And so we see the, his glory. We see his deity revealed here. But church, not only that, his power. Look at this in that, that same verse. Jesus Christ is, sustains the universe. Jesus Christ sustains the universe. See, the the writer of Hebrews in this introduction chapter, he's trying to paint God as big as he possibly can to these people. That they would see that through Jesus Christ, they didn't have to have the fragments of the Old Old Testament and the prophets, but they could have the fullness of God and experience the fullness of God. And this is the reason when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you don't need to get stuck living an Old Testament life. You need to walk into the fullness that Jesus Christ has made available to us through, uh, through coming and dying in our place. He made available for us to be able to come into the presence of God and understand and behold the glory and the fullness of God through Jesus Christ. Jesus made that possible for us. See, his power, he he sustains the universe. No man can hold the universe together, but God can. Christ can. He can. Redemption has, had, didn't come through a prophet doing purification for our sin. It was Christ and Christ alone who sacrificed himself. See, church, the reason he had to sacrifice himself, he had to, he had to live a life without sin so he could bring, bring us into his righteousness. So think about this. When you get born again, the word of God says that at that moment, you become the righteous of God. In other words, you stand in his righteousness because he's already went and he paid for it. And now you stand in his power and his righteousness. That's a, that's a powerful God. That is a powerful God when you think about all that he has done for us and all that he has obtained for us, that we can live in his righteousness. We can identify in his death and his resurrection. See, when a person believes in Jesus Christ, truly believes, the righteousness and the death of Jesus Christ covers them. Man, you're, my sins are forgiven. 
And all of a sudden, if I'm thinking I am forgiven and that God, Jesus has done all this for me, why would I want to go back? Why would I want to go back? The law is not equal to the supremacy of God. Why would I want to go back? There's no turning back and there's no equal to who Jesus Christ is. See, the person is righteous. You are made righteous and your sins have been forgiven because of what Jesus Christ has done. Now, he's talked about how Jesus is the very representation, the very stamp, the very imprint of God, right? And that's what the writer, now he go, he's going to go into this whole thing and the rest of the chapter, he's going to go into Jesus is superior to angelic beings, to angelic beings. Now think about this. I've, I've seen people that try to give a lot of credence to angels and about how, oh, how powerful, how mighty and, and angels is. But how many know angels, they're not equal to Jesus. Angels are not equal to Christ. Amen? They're, no, they're not his equal whatsoever. Matter of fact, the, the first few chap, first three verses we read, if you look at verse four, now look at verse four, it says, this shows that the Son is far greater than angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their name. I mean, think about that for a moment. Think about them. He says all what we just read about in the first three verses about God speaking to us through his son, Jesus Christ, and now uh, he, he represents Christ. He's the very stamp of God, who God is. He says, this shows that the son is greater than angels. Greater than angels. So let's think about how much greater than angels than he was and, and what he looks. Jesus was superior in relationship. He was superior in relationship. Hebrews 1.5, look at this. Look what he says. He says, for God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus. You are my son. You are my son. Today I become your father. God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. Jesus stands beside God the Father as son. He's not below him. He's not beneath him. He stands with him at, right there as, at, with, in the kingdom of God. He's on, he's on the same level with God. And he said, God never said that to angels. Jesus had a superior relationship than even the angels. See, his, he was superior, as we talked about, in, as deity. He was superior in deity. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6. It says, and we're going to read a couple of verses here. And when he, brought, when he brought his firstborn son into the world, God said, let all God's angels worship him. Regarding the angels, he says, he sent his angels like winds, uh, uh, winds his servants like flames of fire. And then, but the son, but the son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. Your rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, you, you or your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. See, none of the angels, none of the angels is called God. Only Jesus is called God. And no angel is worshipped by his followers. Yet Jesus was worshipped by angels. 
That shows the, how much higher, how much more supreme Jesus was. And why we, why, I know this is, may sound elementary, but to, to understand what was going on as we get deeper into Hebrews, you have to understand the backdrop. You gotta understand what, how these people were questioning whether Jesus was a, had authority. Was Jesus, was Jesus really the Messiah? As they begin to, some of them go back under Judaism and leaving the faith. And the writer of Hebrews is so concerned about them, they want them, listen, he's, he's greater than angels. He is far superior than any of the angels you could ever think of. Even the angel, the, the greatest of angels, cannot compare to who Jesus Christ is. Cannot compare. None of the angels is called God. And no angel is worshipped by his followers. Yet Jesus Christ is given the name of God, and the angelic hosts worshipped him. So he had a superior relationship, and he was superior in deity. Yes, angels are, are angelic beings. We understand that. But they do not rank with Christ. And can I just say this also for the pe some people who think that the devil is, is uh, Jesus' equal. That's not true either. He was a fallen angel. And, that's, and so understand that. So he was superior in his deity. He is superior as creator. As we talked about, he's superior as creator. Look at this, what Hebrews writes again. Verse 10. He also says to the Son, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. Who did that? Jesus. Let me read that again. He also says to the Son, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like an old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing, but you are always the same. You will live forever. Think about that for a moment, church. Like the angels, angels who are immortal, in other words, they have not experienced birth or death, Jesus will outlast the universe. Will outlast them. Unlike angels, however, he was there in the beginning, and he laid the foundations of creation. Angels, angels was, I, I was created by God. So the writer saying, listen, even though you think angels might be all that great, all the, the thing, and you, that's not it. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's far superior in everything that he does. He outlasts them. He, he's, he is great, and he's worthy of all praise. So the writer of Hebrews is talking to his audience and helping them to understand that Jesus is all theirs. There's no equal. There's no equal. He's superior, not only that, and not only his but in his destiny. Look at this. Verse 13, it says, And God never says to any of the angels, Sit in this place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. No angel was ever invited to share the rule of the universe. There was one who tried, but he fell. That was Satan. But no angel was ever invited to rule the universe and be equal with God. But for God, the God to picture Jesus, he's, think about this, church. He's at the right hand, indicates that Jesus shares God's rule even now. Even now, Jesus shares his rule. 
See, in every way, Jesus is superior. In every way, he's superior to anything. And we're going to see in, in the next few weeks, he's, he was superior even to Moses. Because a lot of times, the people of the Old Covenant, they were putting great credence on the leader of Moses or to Abraham. And Jesus, the, the writer, is trying to say, it doesn't matter. Nothing in this earth, no created being, could ever measure up with Christ. He has no equal. See, in every way, Jesus is superior. And thus we must, we must take this and re receive this re revelation of who Jesus Christ is and live in that church. There is no need to look anywhere else. There's no need to look anywhere else. In Jesus, we have the whole truth. And in Jesus, the best possibility is to be made whole. You can't be made whole any other way. Now, some of these people that were in, in Judaism who had gotten saved were trying to mix the two together. They were, they were trying to go back and, and follow the old covenant and try to live a new covenant life. You can't do that. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. The two covenants don't mix. Matter of fact, you know what the old covenant it mentions in Scripture, the old covenant that they were under? It could never remove sin. It covered their sin. That's all it did. It never removed the sin. I like what Pastor Matt made this reference the other day to this. He said it was almost like you, when you, you take your dishes and, and you put them, somebody's coming over and you throw all your dishes in the dishwasher. They're still dirty. They're not covered. They're not clean. They're just covered. It's not until you turn the dishwasher on that you, all of a sudden the sins are washed away. But there's a lot of things. The Old Testament, it's like putting dirty dishes in the dishwater, dishwasher and, and just putting it on a facade. It just covers it. But when you allow Jesus Christ to cover you, and he doesn't just cover, he removes your sin. He removes your sin. See, church, the, one of the last things that in chapter, chapter 1 that the writer of Hebrews says, he talked about angels, and he says, they, they are, not all, are, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Angels are sent to minister to us at times. They're not to be worshipped. And this is the point that the writer of Hebrews, I believe, is really trying to say, you don't worship anybody but Jesus. You don't worship anybody but God. Amen. There nobody else is worthy to be worshipped. Not Abraham, not Moses, not Mary, not anybody else. It's only Jesus, and it always has been. There's nowhere else to turn but to Him. So if you're trying to live a new covenant life, you're going to have to break off some of your old traditions. Some of the things that you, you held on under the old way of life, or some of your legalistic attitudes. There's a lot of things. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up as a kid, I grew up kind of in a legalistic church. I was taught a lot of things that were taught by man, but they were almost preached as gospel. And I, and I thought they were true, and I grew up thinking some of these things were true. And, and I, when I, as I got older, I'd begin to say something. Somebody said, where are you getting that, Gary? Well, I've heard it preached. Yeah, but can, where, where is that? Can you show that to me? And I, I couldn't find it. It was nowhere in the scripture. But somebody had almost preached something that was a man-thought idea to present it as gospel. And I, was, I lived by that rule. But then I found out that that's not the truth. And here's the thing, church. You can't hang on to traditions. You really can't hang on to traditions and elevate traditions over God and his word. 
Matter of fact, I was, I was just reading, in, uh, this is not in scripture, uh, it is scripture, but it's not in our text this morning. But if you want to go to, go to Mark chapter 7, I want to just read you something real quick. He's starting with verse, uh, verse 8. No, I'll start at verse 6. He says, Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship, their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas as commandments of God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own traditions. Then he says, you skillfully step, sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own traditions. For instance, Moses gave the law from God. Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks dis disrespectfully of father and mother must be put to death. But you say, it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I was, going to give, uh, was given to you. Verse 12, in this way, you let... You let them dis disregard, um, and, th and in this way, you let them uh, dis dis disregard their needs, uh, needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own traditions. And this is, the, this is only one example for many others. When you are willing to hang on to your traditions, you can make the word of God void in your life. That's what, that's what Jesus was taught. He said, you hang on to your traditions, and all of a sudden the word of God becomes of no effect. And this is the reason it's, 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 you, we can't live a new covenant faith and hang on to the past. And this is the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage these people, listen, Jesus is the only way. He's the only way. He's the superior. There's no one else like him but Christ. Amen? Father, I thank you today for this opportunity just to share these few moments, oh God, about your word. That Jesus is the very image of God. He's the very image of God. He's the stamp. He's the reality of who God is today. And God, I pray this morning that God, that people would understand and know God. That you've called them not to live under the old ways of life, but God, you've got a new covenant for us to live under. And God, there's so much rich stuff in the writer of Hebrews, God, that he, he tells us about Jesus. And God, help us not to be like those people who'd gotten saved and had faith in God, but because the things didn't work out, they begin to pull back and maybe thinking maybe they should go back under the old way of life. Father, there's no turning back. There's no going back to the old covenant. Father, we move forward into the new covenant, new relationship, that Jesus revealed the fullness of God to us. That we don't have to look and have fragmented pieces of, of, of who God is, but we can know you intimately. We can come into your throne room through faith in Jesus Christ. We don't come in faith in our own righteousness, God. We come in faith in the righteousness of Jesus Christ because he was the perfect sacrifice. He obtained perfect righteousness. For the word of God says that he, he lived among us, but he did not sin. He was the righteousness of God, and he's made us righteous by faith in Christ. And I pray this morning, Father, that we would just trust in you, God, and keep our hearts focused upon you. 
God, don't get caught up with supernatural things and, and that people try to elevate. But Father, to keep our focus upon Jesus. It's Jesus and Jesus only. He's superior to everything. And we just honor you, Jesus. We give you praise today. We give you glory. Father, and I just pray for the Lord, there may be one today that uh, maybe they've been questioning, well, is this faith thing real? Is this really what I want in my life? I don't know if it's real or not, but God, is it real? God, show, they show them today how real you are. Reveal yourself in such a way through Jesus Christ, your son. Let them sense the presence of God right now, just reaching out to them right where they're at. And they can receive the fullness of Jesus. They can receive the, the fullness of God right in their lives right now as they just surrender to you.